Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Uh, my name is Adam, I'm the pastor here at the Vineyard. And here's what we're doing right now. We are in a series called What's Your Decision? And this series is all about discernment and how to make decisions. Really what this is about is, do you have a framework for making decisions? Do you have a way that you go about it? Or is it just like impulse, right? Uh, Is it just, I don't know, I just pull something out of thin air and that's what I do. And part of what we want to do here this morning and for the next few weeks is say, you know, Uh, We're Christians, and we need a framework for discerning what is actually happening in our lives and what might it be that God is leading us to do. Um, uh, One of the things I loved last week was that Emily, uh, she kicked off this series so well. Uh, Didn't you think so? If you were here, like, come on, golf clap for Emily. Golf clap. Um, Yeah, Emily did so well. And one of the things I love, I was in Chicago, so I listened to the message later in the week. But when I came back, I loved that beginning part of Emily's message where I guess she had just spent some time during the week texting people and saying, well, how do you make decisions? And what do you find that's difficult? And and some things kind of popped through. I understand she even made some slides. Is that right? Very professional. Very, very professional. But one of the things that I was picking up on while this was uh, being preached, was how often many of us are perplexed when we get into decisions. And by the way, we're not talking about decisions between like good and bad. Like, will I do drugs today or will I not do? Will I set my life on fire or not? But we're talking about like that very real thing that happens to us, especially as we become adults. Like, how do I choose between good and good? Or what appears to be good and good? Or how do I choose between what I feel like is my call and some new opportunity, or, or how do I choose between good and better? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Or, or how, do I, how do I know? And one of the things that popped through when Emily was talking was just how many of us are actually perplexed. Anybody in the room feel that way sometimes? Yeah, man. If you're real, you just feel that way. Uh, the other thing that, that, that popped through for me was, uh, was how many times our emotions are a part of our decision-making process. And, and how many of you know that uh, your emotions are, from, are, are, are a gift from God, but sometimes they don't help you, right? Like, they just, sometimes they can be unhelpful. I was thinking even this week about how at moments in my life, like usually around 11.30 in the morning, I just get really hungry. Anybody else here do that? Like, it, like I don't need a watch. I know when 11.30 is because my body is telling me And if you were to catch me at 11.30, some days, you would catch me at my worst moment, right? And and it's not that I'm actually becoming a bad person. I'm just hungry. And how many of you know that your emotions, your emotional field can just be affected by like a blood sugar drop? And if you were to make a big decision, let's say between 11.30 and noon, that might not be good, right? Yeah, that's one of the things that we pick up on. I'm just being silly. But what I need to point out here is how much all of us need a framework for for making decisions 
so that we're not just captured by things like our lowest moments. We're going to get into that in bigger detail uh, this morning. Uh, I I just want to quickly recap everything that Emily said last week. Is that okay? Because sometimes it's really good to do a review. Uh, Number one, uh, last week Emily said uh, that if we're going to make decisions, uh, part of what we're doing here at the Vineyard is we're rooting our decisions in two pillars, you could say. And one pillar would be uh, we're, we're wanting to make decisions that are good. Like we're, we're actually not trying to set our life on fire. We're actually moving our life toward the good. The second thing that's a pillar of all of our decision making is that we want God to be involved. And the reason we want God to be involved is we're Christians. But then beyond that, uh, one of the things that we read a few weeks ago, I read you this scripture from the Psalms. It says, uh, we are the sheep of his pasture. Do you guys remember that? It's from Psalm 100. Yeah, part of, what, part of what we've been getting at here lately is that my life is not my own. Like, I belong to God. And I don't want God to just be involved because he's there, but I want him to be involved because uh, he cares for my life uh, and he has an opinion. He, and not only that, but he has a plan for my life. How many of you know that God has an opinion and a plan for your life? And so if you want to live into that, if you want to live into that, you, you actually have to make some space in your discernment to say, you know what, I am a sheep in his pasture, and so how can I begin to listen to God to make the best decisions? Uh, Emily also pointed out that certain things shape our decision-making. Uh, number one, uh, our, our image of God. Uh, she talked about how everybody here has an image of God, and that can either be helpful in discernment and decision-making, or it can be really destructive. Like some of us maybe grew up with the image of God that goes something like this. There, there is a God, but he's like really far away, and he mostly just doesn't care about you. It's not that he's, it's not that he's antagonistic. It's just that he doesn't really think about you. Maybe he thinks about other people, like important people. He, he, thinks about, he thinks about Joe Biden and whoever's rich, but he doesn't really think about me. And, and maybe you've never said that, but, but maybe... If you did a little introspection, you'd realize, oh, I don't, I don't know if my image of God includes the nearness, closeness, and care of God. And, and how many of you know if it doesn't include those things, it will touch your decision-making? You'll begin to go out in a very particular way. So, or or maybe, maybe our image of God uh, works something like this. Maybe we think God is just pointing at the Bible and he's telling us, uh, just find a verse. You know, you want to do something? Find a verse. And you so. How many of you have ever had that moment where you were like stressed out and you're like, I just need a verse and you're just like, I'm just going to do the thing where I open the Bible and the first thing I look at, that's my answer. And you know, you, you open it up and it's like, get circumcised. <laughs> you're like, we're going to do that again. <laughs> Something more encouraging, God. And you open it up and it's like, you know, it could just be anything, right? We've done it before. Like, we've all done that before. Our image of God is, like, really, really important. Uh, the second thing that affects our decision-making, and maybe we're awake to it or maybe we're not, is our family of origin. Uh, we get real muscle memories from the homes we grew up in. Uh, some of us in here grew up in disastrous families. Uh, some of us had, like, alcoholic dads and passive moms. Uh, some of us here came from really hostile and abusive homes. I, I want you to know, if that's you this morning... Uh, There's mercy for you, there's kindness for you, but that has given you a muscle memory that is affecting everything in your life. Now let me flip this over the other way. Uh, If you grew up in a good home, can I tell you something? You also have a muscle memory that might be helping you make good decisions, 
But at times, it's also not helping you make good decisions. Uh, I was thinking about this. Let me just play a little scenario. We'll do a game. Uh, maybe you grew up in a home that was good, like everybody liked each other. But, but what if you grew up in a home that was good and the principal supreme value, maybe it's never spoken, but it's definitely there and you live with it, so you pick it up. The principal supreme value is having fun. Like, well, like we do game nights and, and we eat popcorn and we put peanut M&Ms in it and we watch movies and at Christmas time we all dress in the same pajamas and and the supreme value is just fun like you know what does it mean to have a good family it just means we have fun and and you know what guys uh mom and dad are going to do everything in the world to make sure that everyone is always having fun all the time and there's just a lot of fun we get new four-wheelers and we watch movies and we all wear the same pajamas and we blast across the farm because that's fun okay now, how many of you know that's, I believe in that, okay? I believe that if you can have a family and make it fun, you should do that, and that's better than like screaming at your kids and burning everything to the ground. However, though, if you live in that family, and this is a supreme value, and it's unspoken, and you're unaware of it, you've never done any introspection, how many of you know that you will grow up with muscle memory that will touch all of your decisions for the rest of your life, and one day you'll become an adult. You'll graduate from college, you'll get a job, you'll get real responsibility, and your boss is going to call you on Friday at 5 o'clock, and he's going to say to you, I don't want you to leave. In fact, I'm not letting you leave. You have to stay, and we're going to push hard through the weekend because we have a deadline. And all of a sudden, the not fun is going to hit you, and you end up like maybe ejecting or quitting that job running way far away from it and actually end up running away from the very thing that God gave you and might even be his will for you, but you run away from it because it doesn't touch the supreme value of fun and anything that isn't fun must be the devil. Does this make sense? Let me tell you, that's real. So what affects our decision? Our image of God, our family of origin. I would encourage everybody here, do some introspection about your family of origin. You'll probably actually need help with that. Um, number three, our current cultural waters. Like, the culture we live in is shaping our decision-making. Emily said last week, do you remember 2020? Do you remember 2020? How did you feel during 2020? She's like, some of us felt nihilistic. Uh, and I was listening to that last week, and I was going, not some of us, all of us, Emily, all of us. By the end of 2020, we were all asking ourselves, is there any point? And how many of you know that if, if you're living in this moment where there is something stirring culturally, we can pick up the harmonies? We can pick up the harmonies and we begin to resonate with it, just like a tuning fork. And all of a sudden, it's not God, it's not us, but it's cultural resonances that are coming through. And pretty soon, maybe at the end of 2020, some of us made decisions from the nihilism that was around rather than from God or from discernment or good decisions. Does that make sense? This is big. Uh, and then finally, Emily talked just a moment about, you know, if we're going to make decisions, uh, St. Ignatius would say, uh, one thing is essential, and it's to love God first. You know, we got to put that root all the way down. So here's what I want to do this morning. The series is called, What's Your Decision? But Seth, can we put up another slide? Today's message is called, What Up, St. Ignatius? What up, St. Ignatius? When I was making this this week, I wondered, 
Why is he in a marijuana patch? I don't know. I don't know. That was one of my questions I had when I selected this picture. Well, here's what I want to do. I, I want to give us, I want to give us a couple tools from Saint Ignatius, and just really, really, really briefly. If you don't know who Saint Ignatius is, some of you are like Adam. This is not a Catholic church. You're right. This is not a Catholic church. But but Saint Ignatius, really important person in church history, 500 years ago. I'd actually encourage you to do some reading about it. This guy was essentially special forces. He was special forces, okay? Uh, he, he started what became known as the Jesuits. The Jesuits are a sect inside of Catholicism. These guys don't mess around. They're the smartest, toughest, most committed to the mission of God of nearly anyone in the world. Uh, he was nearly killed in a battle, and when he was at home recovering, had an encounter with God, shaped the rest of his life, and he ended up devoting himself to creating disciples who would firmly and forever commit themselves to the mission of God no matter what. And because of that, he has discernment tools, and we're going to pick up some of those. Does that make sense? Okay. We should read the Bible. We should make it legal. Um, Here's what I want to do this morning. I want to talk to you about something that St. Ignatius calls discernment of spirits. Discernment of spirits, and it's from this text here. This is Paul. He says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you, uh, so that you are not to do whatever you want. That is really a strange phrasing. So you don't do what you want. I'm editing here. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh, they're obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Will not. But this is what Paul says. But the fruit of the Spirit, and y'all know this, don't you? Let's read it together. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. I want to talk to you about discernment of spirits and we started with this text this morning because I hope you notice that in the text there's a conflict. Did you notice that? Paul says, uh, the Spirit of God is trying to empower me to live a certain kind of way that produces the fruit of the Spirit, but even though I'm committed to that, there's this other thing. It's like it's in me, and it's, it's, it's waging war, and it's, it's actually trying to get me to live a different way. Did you notice that in the text? Like the text this morning has inside of it this built-in conflict. Um, there's this sense of like my, my, own, my own flesh, the things that I want, my sinful nature, my human desires. But then outside of my own flesh, my own nature, and what feels right to me and my sinful desires, uh, we also have an, en- an enemy. We have an adversary, right? And so there's this, there are these three things, and, and they're, the, they're the battleground. There's like the work of the Spirit, there's my own human flesh, and then there's, there's the enemy or the adversary. 
and they're in conflict with one another. And, and here's the point for us this morning. All of this is happening on the inside. And it's happening on the inside of me and you every single day. And, and what does this have to do with discernment or decision-making? Well, until I see the conflict, until I can name it, until I can name what is the Holy Spirit, what is me, what is, what is the enemy and the adversary, it's really hard to be someone who's making good decisions and is employing discernment. The Holy Spirit wants us to do a certain kind of thing, and then, man, there's another part of me that wants to do something else. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to give you a concept this morning, then we're going to unpack it, that will help us begin to pull this apart. And the concept this morning is consolation and desolation. Uh, who here have ever heard the words consolation and desolation? Anybody? Yeah. Uh, these are like old school words, and they come from St. Ignatius. Consolation and desolation. And what these are is they're experiences of our humanness. And I want to talk to you for a moment about consolation and then desolation, and then I want to pull them apart a little bit and give us some stuff that will help us be discerners. Uh, number one, consolation. Uh, consolation is like anything that moves me towards God. Consolation is, is any feeling of faith, hope, and love that, that lands me in a place of like peace. Uh, this morning we, we did that call and response prayer and we, we said that word shalom. Shalom is like perfect well-being. Anybody ever been like at home and you're like, I just feel connected to God. I feel connected to my family. Everything is right in the world. And, and, I, and I, not only that, but I, I, want, I want more of it. I, want to be a better, I even want to be a better person. I want, to, I want to grow. I want to obey God. I want to do what the Spirit... You know what I'm talking about? You ever had that moment in your life? Yeah, that's consolation. That's consolation. Uh, it's the experience of shalom. It's oftentimes experienced as joy. But I also want to put one little note here. It can be experiences of sadness, too. Consolation can be an experience of sadness. And here's why. Um, maybe maybe you're, you're just like me. Maybe sometimes you sin. And maybe sometimes your sin puts you at odds with another person. And maybe, maybe you meant to do it, or maybe you didn't mean to do it. But either way, you wake up to it, and you're like, oh, I've been really selfish here, and I've harmed another person. And when you wake up to it, how do you feel? You feel, you feel crummy, don't you? Anybody ever awakened to their own selfishness and felt crummy and were like, you know what, I need to repair this and I want to I restore my relationship with my friend and I want to I be in right relationship to God again. Uh, that sadness is actually a gift and it's consolation because it's moving us towards people and towards God, right? Desolation, anything that takes us away from the love of God and others. Uh, it's experienced as a troubled spirit, anxiety, restlessness, uh, doubt. Uh, and Ignatius would also add here spiritual lethargy or apathy. Like sometimes in our life we, we, we are just in a season where we just feel, we feel tormented. And, and not only that, but sometimes in our life we, we lose connection with God and we don't even really want to reconnect. We just feel, we feel, we feel apathetic. Um, this week I was reading... I was reading some of the old Puritans and I ran across this, this phrase. And this is about spiritual apathy. The, the Puritans would, would talk about the deadening effects of innocent delights. Man, when I read it this week, I was like, oh man, I know what that is. It's like, 
It's not, it, they're talking about the things that are not even bad, but they just they cause your hunger for God to be dulled. You know, and as soon as I read it, I just thought, it's got to be Netflix. I know they're talking about Netflix. I know it. I just know it. Yeah. But anything that moves me from God, anything that moves me from other people, and then anything that, that dulls my hunger for God, that makes me spiritually apathetic and, and uncaring, God seems nowhere to be found. So consolation points us toward God and others. Desolation moves us away from God and others. Consolation, I love this, consolation feels like coming home. Consolation feels, any of you ever been away from home for a long time and then you come back into your mom and dad's house and you, you, there's the smell and, and you can just like go to the refrigerator. You can just get anything out you want and you can lay on the couch and you can watch whatever you want and no one cares because you're home, right? Yeah, that feeling, that's consolation. That's consolation. A desolation feels like having lost our way. Uh, generally, consolation is a work of the Holy Spirit and desolation is a work of the enemy. And here's, here's why it matters. Here's why it matters when it comes to decisions and discernment. Uh, number one, this framework of consolation and desolation, being able to name for ourselves where we're at and what's happening, it matters because it acknowledges how much of our emotions are a part of our decision-making. You cannot divorce your emotions from decision-making. Human beings are not pure logic. The most analytical person in here is not a robot. You're a person, and your emotions are playing a part in how you're living and how you're deciding, and so we need to take that into account. Uh, number two, consolation and desolation help us create a map of sorts to what's happening in our lives. Like, it doesn't matter if I know where I want to go. If I don't know where I am or how I got there, I'll never get to where I want to go. You know? It's just, just the way it goes. And so consolation and desolation has a way of naming what's happening in my life. And then it also has a way of showing me on, let's just say, the emotional field or the plan of God. It shows me where I'm at, not just where I want to go to, but where I'm at. How did I get here? How did I get here? Am I moving towards God or am I moving away from God? It's really important. So the Holy Spirit wants us to build deeper and deeper foundations consolation in our lives. We were made to produce the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, a few further considerations about consolation and desolation as it pertains to decision-making. I want to give you a handful, and then we'll, we'll wrap. Ignatius would say this, when in desolation, don't change anything you've already decided. This is enormously important. If you don't get anything else I've said today, write this down, put it on your mirror, and remember everything I'm about to say for the next three and a half minutes. If you're in a state of desolation, if you feel disconnected from God and others, if you have a troubled spirit, if you're in a place of anxiety, if the pressure is being turned up, if you feel like you're losing grip with the best part of you and others, Ignatius would say, do not make a decision in that place. Keep doing what you've already decided. How many of you have ever been in a moment where uh, the pressures of life got turned up and you decided to eject and just do something different? Anybody ever done that? I have. It's not good. Okay? I have. It's not good. Uh, like when we're anxious or if we're miserable at work or if we're not particularly close to God, if we don't have much spiritual hunger, do not make a decision in that place. Ignatius would say, wait. Uh, let me just make this really practical for a few minutes. Uh, number one. 
do not, do not drop out of college, do not drop out of college in the middle of midterms. Right? Uh, let me say it another way. Uh, do, not, do not quit your grad program when you get two bad grades in a row and you have a professor you don't like. Why? Because you decided to be in the grad program. You felt like it was God. You felt like it was in your calling. You felt like it was the next step. When things get hard, or if you get a professor you don't like, and you feel like, ah, do not make a decision when you're in the, ah, don't do it. It won't be a good decision. It won't be a good decision. Let me make it uh, more practical still. Uh, Don't quit the team after a bad practice. Like, if you have three bad practices in a row and a coach yells at you and the assistant coach thinks you're an idiot, do not quit the team. What are we talking about here? Like, when you're in desolation, don't change your mind. You decided to be a part of the team. The coaches said they wanted you to be a part of the team. They gave you a little bit of scholarship money. They're they're letting you put on the jersey. They've invested their time and energy. They do scouting for you. Don't change it just because someone barked at you one day. Like, don't do it. Why? Because you're, you're in a moment of desolation and you're not thinking clear. That's why. That's why. Uh, uh, don't move across the country uh, when you have a rough season. Like some of us here, have you ever, have you ever daydreamed about this? Like work gets hard. Uh, maybe your marriage is not great. Uh, and, and maybe one of your kids is a half bonkers and you're like, you know what we should do? We should move to California because everything's better in California. Like, it, it, never, it never is gray in California. It, the sun is shining, the, and we don't have to do six and a half months of winter like we have in Kentucky. We can just go to California, Heather. It's awesome, right? Who here has ever daydreamed like that? Yeah, don't, don't move across the country when your life gets hard. You're in desolation. You're literally not thinking clear. Do not do it. Do not do it. You're not thinking clear. Don't make decisions from the bottom. Don't make decisions from the bottom. Ignatius would say, wake up, recognize, am I in consolation or desolation? If I'm in desolation, no big changes. We're going to wait. We're going to wait. And here's the reason we're going to wait. Because desolation passes. It doesn't last forever. In the same way that winter turns to spring and spring to summer, uh, the seasons change. Uh, many of us in the room this morning might be in a season of desolation. Here's what I want to tell you. Just hang on. It'll change. It will change. It will literally, it will literally let go. Uh, your moments of, of wrestling, your moments of anxiety, trouble, uh, it, it'll let go. And a season of consolation, a season of consolation will come. A desolation is not permanent. Some of us need to know this. You feel like you're really being pressured to make a decision? Just wait. Just wait. Uh, one of my spiritual fathers told me years ago, uh, the Lord leads and the devil drives. That's been great advice. Like the Lord is invitational, and he, the Lord will give you time. Like, the, like he will let things percolate through. Uh, the devil drives, meaning like you got to make a decision now. you gotta, you got to right now like if you don't make the decision this like tiny window your life is over and you'll miss god and your whole purpose is gone that's just not true it's literally not true so you don't have to make a decision from the bottom because the season will change and you'll get clear-headed and then you'll be able to see things for what they are and then you can move forward no decisions from the bottom Um, here's the other thing i want to say about that seasons changing 
Desolation is not forever, but consolation is not forever either. So some of us in the room, we would say, well, I'm actually in a season of consolation. I feel close to God. I feel close to other people. I feel like I'm in my sweet spot. I feel like I'm doing all the things I'm like actually made to do. I, I get, I'm rewarded at work. I, I actually like my coworkers. Uh, everything is great. Like uh, my house is great. The, the, everything is working. Like nothing is breaking. My car is, the brakes are fine. Like everything is great. I'm in a season of consolation. Uh, here's the other thing that Ignatius would say about that. It'll come to an end. So when you're in a season of consolation, Ignatius would say, enjoy it deeply. Like, just enjoy it deeply. Acknowledge God because there's going to be a change. Like some of us here, you got all your kids in that perfect window. They're all between 6 and 12, and everything's magical, and you're at Disneyland, and you got the ears on, and none of your children are embarrassed about wearing the ears. And the reason they're not embarrassed is because they're between 6 and 12, and this is the greatest moment ever. Here's what you have to do as a parent. You have to cherish that moment because it's coming to an end. Desolation ends, consolation ends. They don't stay forever. Here's what Ignatius would say, though, if you find yourself in desolation. Number one, no big changes in terms of decisions. But he would say, number two, you got to counterattack. Uh, desolation is not a moment to be passive. You have to press into it. Press into it. And sometimes in desolation, uh, we actually want to step back. We want to step back from God. We want to step back from others. But Ignatius would say, actually, if you want to discern correctly, you need to lean into God and lean into others. And specifically what he would say is, start praying more. So if you know you're at the bottom, you, got, you have to start praying. And if you're already praying, uh, Ignatius would say, pray more. Have a season where you just pray more. Just lean into connecting with God. Uh, one of the things I found uh, as a pastor is, is I can't go into my little office here and pray. Like, it just doesn't work for me. Like, when I need to pray, I have to walk. It took me years to figure this out. I go down to the Trace Pittman. I make a lap, you know? If it's not a big deal, I'll just walk to the bridge and come back. If it's a bigger deal, I'll go to the bridge or go around the thing and come back. And if it's a really big deal, I'll go down to the bridge or go around the thing, and then across the other bridge or go all the way to the soccer fields, around the soccer field, and then I come back. And I just pray the whole time, right? If you see me out there, you know I'm praying. Like, that's what I'm doing. But Ignatius would say, if you find yourself in a place of desolation, lean into God. Like, find out how to pray. Pray more. And he would also say, he would also say this, uh, lean into serving others. Like, just get up in the morning and go, self, you're going to serve somebody today. Like, Bob Dylan's right. You've you got to serve somebody, you know? And Ignatius would say, if you want to discern, if you want to be a good decision maker, and if you want to move out of, consol- out of desolation into consolation, uh, lean into God and lean, in, lean into serving others. Now, how many of you have ever noticed this, that when you serve others, you're not just helping them, but how many of you have ever noticed that you end up feeling good? Isn't that weird? Uh, there are people at our church who work at, at, the, at the food pantry soup kitchen down here on, on Old Columbia Road. Do you know what I'm talking about there on the Yeah, we have people here who go and just serve. Like every time it's open, they just go and serve. And I, I, was, I was talking to one of them uh, a few weeks ago. I said, hey, why do you do that? And they're like, honestly... I just feel God when I do that. I feel God, right? What, is it, what are they doing? They're, they're literally moving their life into consolation. They're, they're putting themselves right into consolation. And it's true for us as well. If you're at the bottom, begin to serve. Begin to pray. Look for others. The third thing Ignatius would say if you're in desolation 
he would say, resist the urge to keep things secret. Uh, when, we're, when we're struggling, not just with a decision, but if we're just struggling in our life in general, the temptation is always to hold it tight and keep it close. But Ignatius would say, uh, you actually have to bring people into it. And here's, here's one of the things I've learned in my life. People are so willing to help. This is, this is so counterintuitive, but when you're struggling or when you, when you have problems, and, and I'm talking all the way from little tiny problems to really big problems, people, people want to listen to you and they want to help. It feels like they don't, but that's, again, discernment of spirits, right? Who's telling you they don't want to listen and they don't want to help? The devil. Why? Because he wants to keep you in a place of desolation. But how many of you understand that sunlight is the best disinfectant? You bring things into the open. How many of you know that, that mold grows in the dark? Right? Like, and if we, if we want the mold to come off of our hearts, all we have to do is begin to share it with someone, begin to pull it into the light. Like some of us here this morning, we're like really struggling and we don't know how to get out. I'm telling you, the only way out is to begin to share with someone else, maybe in this room, or maybe somewhere else, you have to share with someone else what's actually happening in your life. Uh, the Bible says two really interesting things. Uh, number one, the Bible says if you confess your sins to God, you get forgiven. But in James, the Bible says if you confess your sins to one another, you get healed. No one can heal themselves. No one can heal themselves. And this has to do with things that are all really big, like all the way up to sin, but then also just like really garden variety things. Like if you're in a moment of desolation and your car breaks down and you're like, I don't know what to do, literally call someone, they will help you, right? Share what's happening in your life. Mm. Consolation. It's, it's moving towards God and others. Now, if we're in a moment of like really serious desolation and it's not just garden variety, but it's like really big and we're wanting to open up and share with other people, you know, there's different kinds of people you share stuff with. I just want to point this out. You don't just go willy-nilly out into the streets telling people your problems. That might make it worse, right? Here's what you do. You, you, you put your brain on a little bit and you go, well, who do I need to tell? And I, I just want to outline this really quick. Uh, here's who you need in your life. You need friends. Like sometimes what you have to do is share your problems with your friends. And then sometimes some of what's happening in your life needs a pastor. And so you need to either call me or Andrew or, or Glenn or Emily. But then sometimes what you need is a counselor. Like you need to go to a therapist. Like I want you to know something. Your friends are not therapists. Here's the other thing I want you to know. Your pastors are not therapists. But here's the other thing I want you to know. Your therapist is not a pastor. And they're not watching over your soul. And then there's another category that we might call spiritual directors. And, and by the way, these overlap a lot. But there's forms of help out there, depending on the things that we're carrying, that are actually really important. Like, so part of discernment might be, okay, I'm in a moment of desolation. I need to share this. And the first step might be, well, who do I need to share it with? Is it a friend? Is it a pastor? Is it a counselor? Is it a spiritual director? Is it all four? Reaching out. It's a way to start moving out of desolation. Okay, wrapping up. Consolation and desolation maps the emotional field. Shows us where we are on the map. Not just where we're going, but where are we and how do we get here? You know, if you're wanting to make a decision, we're not making decisions from desolation we're going to make them from consolation. Puts me on the map. Um, consolation is a work of the Spirit in our life. 
Like the Spirit wants you in consolation and the Spirit wants you making decisions in consolation. Like that's God's goal for you, fruit of the Spirit, okay? Uh, Number three, best decisions are made in consolation. Do not decide from the bottom. Everybody say it with me. Do not decide from the bottom. You'll remember this one day. It's gold. The best decisions are those that move the whole of our life towards consolation. Having a plan for desolation is not just good for decision-making. It's called spiritual formation and discipleship. So all that stuff I shared with you about like what do you do when you're at the bottom, that's actually called spiritual formation and discipleship to Jesus. Everybody here is going to go to the bottom one day, and you need a plan. Like, what do I do when I'm at the bottom? What do I do? Okay, today, we're going to do some praying. If you are on the worship team, come on up. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.